The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the new wave of change that is emerging in our world today? What does it look like? How will it reshape our collective future? We see more and more women are making a rapid rise to the top, taking over leadership of their countries, influencing social and political decisions on a global scale. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine with host Gina Lazenby. This is a movement that is putting the feminine values of compassion and collaboration back into the economy and our world. Everyone and everything is being affected. Our conversation starts now. Here is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. I'm your host, Gina Lazenby, and I'm delighted to be a champion for this fascinating conversation. Not only are women rising in the world today, but feminine values are also being increasingly expressed more openly in men and women. Last week, the show was about the price of motherhood, with some really great conversations about how companies miss out on so many benefits that come from the natural milestones in many women's lives, and that's a mistake to penalize them financially for being a parent and for being willing to bring up the next generation. With five great interviews, I really do recommend listening. Go to the show page or hit the podcast button on your iPhone to download the program. Well, today is a milestone for me, and this is my final show in this first series of The Rise of the Feminine. What I'd love to do is reflect back a little on the last three months of programs, revisit a few highlights, and also bring in some new guests. I've interviewed more than 40 different experts and brought some of their amazing wisdom to this space, which I do hope you've enjoyed and found as interesting as I have. In the big conversations we've had, we looked at the spirit of the age, why there is such a shift in the world with more women stepping up and how the feminine approach is being seen as a more viable way forward, particularly for business. And I also want to look at the, uh, the role of elders, primarily women elders, older women, wise women, the archetype of the grandmother, older women with or without grandchildren, and look at the contribution they've been making to the rise of the feminine. As we move away from patriarchy, the dominant culture of the last few thousand years, I want to look at how we view women leaders who are older, who are among the ones perhaps guiding us to a new future, and review why we have such a problem with older women in society. Let's start on this journey today with a conversation with Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, even though we might be welcoming a woman to the White House for the first time, possibly at any moment, it is a fact that women do not yet have full equality in every country and that we are not 50% of the political leadership in most governments, except for a few places like Rwanda and Switzerland. Nor are we there at the top positions of the large companies in equal numbers. Well, not yet anyway. Calculations have been made about the rate of growth and how many decades or even centuries it will take to achieve equality at the current rate. But we are making massive progress. And if we pull back the lens to see the arc of history, it is actually happening quite quickly. 
In just one session of the UK Parliament, we shifted from three male political party leaders being interviewed by a male TV presenter to last year's election, where we had a panel of on TV of five party leaders where three of them were women. And when I started this radio series, my first program was to look at the increase in feminine leadership in politics with the appointment of Theresa May as the new Prime Minister of the UK. I actually think the growth is exponential because so much has been done in just half a century compared to previous millennia where women did not advance at all. And I think the efforts of women in the last three to four decades, particularly by our women elders, will catapult us suddenly, in quotes, suddenly to the top. I'm very hopeful that in a short period of time, we're going to be seeing a big increase in both the number of women in leadership positions and a shift in the quality of the culture, where there's going to be much more of a balance of values that guide society. Um, By that, I mean feminine values, shifting the culture away from hierarchy and making the world different through emphasizing and embracing feminine values of caring, compassion and collaboration. I asked Aviva, who's the author of Women Mean Business, what she thought about the progress of women from her perspective of being a gender balance specialist for the last two decades. And this was her response. Well, I always think we don't look back enough, step back enough, because so I do think that if we stepped back, we are really in a millennial shift, right? We are unusually lucky as women to be living in a time in history where, you know, 2,000 years of male dominated leadership and patriarchy has marked us all, right? We are all babies of this. And yet, you know, we have seen emerge over the last especially 100 years, uh, especially 60 years since the pill, uh, a sudden emergence of 50% of the population into education, then management, now the beginnings of power. This is one of the biggest experiments in human history, right? People don't, I think, vastly underestimate its impact on everyone. Every man, woman, and child on the planet's life has been affected by this profound transformation in what does it mean to be what we're born to be, including all the people who refuse to say they are either men or women and want to be one of the you know 49 other genders now on the planet uh, now on the list. Um, so I think we underestimate the change that's happening. We certainly aren't recognizing the transitions inside of each of us that are required to adapt to it. So we're always complaining of women's you know lack of self confidence or men's you know entitlement, but. Those are small things, and I think what we're seeing politically now is, um, of course, the beginning emergence of women into power. Again, looking at the bigger picture, I had a very interesting conversation with two-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, Professor Irvin Laszlo, at the Global Women's Summit. He articulated so well the value shift that is happening in what he calls a major paradigm shift. He spoke about how the world is changing and in the evolution of human consciousness, we are moving away from diverse elements competing against each other. I asked him to highlight the role that women will play in this paradigm shift. We have living everywhere in the world where where it's possible for humans to live. The values, the typically masculine values of going out and conquering and dominating are the even older values of, of hunting others. All of these have 
run their course. We don't need them anymore. What we need is to create a home for ourselves on this planet. Practically seven and a half billion people need to live together in harmony with each other and with nature. Creating a community, creating a family. This is what I mean by feminine values. Historically, for thousands of years, women above all have taken care of community, taken care of the family, of the continuity. And while men went out hunting and dominating and conquering, you know. So the age has come where we have to create community. And these are feminine values. It doesn't mean that only women have them. Women, uh, men have them also. And some women have masculine values. But what we need is not simply saying just we need just women. We need people, men and women, who have this kind of feminine values. That's the age, I think, of the integration, the age of women in the highest, highest form of, uh, of, of, uh, of uh, spiritual recognition. Irvin went on to say that women are very much needed in this transition period, and he said, the world needs a much greater voice for women so that these kinds of values can come to the fore. This shift is also recognized by people like Scylla Elworthy, a true wise elder and a peace builder for the last four decades, also a three times Nobel Peace Prize nominee. She talked about a wave of change when I interviewed her about the FAMQ Feminine Intelligence Conference that I went to in Berlin in June. I asked her to explain what she meant when she told the audience something's happening. Well, it's particularly over the last two years, I would say, but when I look at the kind of list I've compiled of new initiatives emerging using feminine intelligence, that is conscious change agents emerging on every continent, it makes astonishing reading. Uh, these are women with an ear to the ground and our inboxes are daily bringing in more news of what women and men are not only imagining but actually inventing transforming, shifting. And this is everything from uh, women's movements in places like northwest Pakistan, where it's the most difficult place in the world to be a woman, right through to massive global events like One Billion Rising. So it's, it's, um, it's a phenomenon now. In order for women to rise to this challenge of helping humanity through this transitional age and era of great complexity, women need to support each other. We don't have the old boys network, which has served so many men in the past. We need to develop something for ourselves, a global sisterhood where women create communities of support for their own nourishment and empowerment and where we can learn from different generations of women, including our elders. It's worth looking at why these are important and what they can do for women. In my second episode, Professor Laszlo talked about only half of the species being predisposed towards leading the transformation the world needs, and that half is feminine. So it stands to reason that we should choose a forum where we can be empowered in order that we can feel confident that we can take on that job. I've been hosting events and retreats for women for the last 20 years. And at every gathering, I meet the most fascinating women doing incredibly interesting things. What I find is that many ordinary women are completely unaware of just how extraordinary they are. And I've been privileged to be a witness firsthand to a wave of new feminine power as each woman shifts a little more into her authenticity, supported by the connection with like-minded women. These gatherings of just women are really important, and I'll share some reasons why. 
for all our success and accomplishments, I've noticed some women still feel something's missing. There's a small gap inside that dents their confidence. Being able to share in a circle of trust that's created with a group of women is deeply fulfilling and nourishing, and it helps to fill in this gap. Many women don't know what they know, and they have so many life skills for which they have no certification. But being with a group of other women, they begin to realize just how smart they are and that some of the things they do unconsciously are actually real competencies that they can transfer. In these gatherings, women realize what they already have and that they can now use these talents more consciously. Andrea Vitulo, who I spoke to in last week's program, was right. He talked about motherhood being a period of huge growth. He likened taking time off for maternity to a master's program, making making it some kind of biological MBA that upskills women, and this should be recognized, honored, and leveraged by employers. He co-wrote a book and devised a training program called Maternity is the Master. Initiatives like this, delivered from men, really help the culture to appreciate women and for women to be able to appreciate and acknowledge, and acknowledge themselves. I've been a host and convener of a women's gathering in London for a number of years. It's a circle of female entrepreneurs. It's actually called the XL Women. And here, two of the members explain what they take from the gathering and why they attend. In this group of XL women, I've found people who are willing to accept me for who I am, to honour me for the gifts which I bring, and to, I don't know, to, to reach inside me, even when I didn't know it, to bring something out. And that's been a real gift. We can just turn up and be who we are and know that we're going to get total support wherever we are in life, whether we're having a tricky time or a fun time, that the support will always be there. And I think it's a very special form of support. Um, it's not it's not overt necessarily, you just know that you, 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 we have a space and we have a voice and we'll be appreciated and listened to. And I think this is a really wonderful way of, of forming a community. It's, it, it's easy just to be. We haven't got to try. We haven't got to be anything. We've not got to project anything. We've just, we can just turn up and be who we're meant to be. And I think that's what the beauty of us all being women. And I, think, I do think as time goes on that hopefully we'll also be able to create structures that enable men to be able to do the same and for us all to be able to just be who we're meant to be. And I think that's the beauty of it. Not having men present totally changes the energy. These events are not against men. They simply nourish women in a way that's not possible with the presence of even just one man. But the wonderful thing is, by being in this female circle of nourishment, we learn how to recognize and hold our power so that when we do go out into the world, we are that much stronger when working alongside the men that we love. I've hosted hundreds of women-only circles for entrepreneurial women, but they have been rare inside organizations and companies, and yet they do give breakthrough results. A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of working on a project at consulting firm Deloitte's in Europe, giving a keynote prior to a business game designed to test entrepreneurial skills and adeptness in an increasingly fast-changing world that demands profitability and sustainability. On this occasion, it was being offered for the first time to Deloitte executives and their clients, and also the group was all women. It certainly gave everyone the opportunity to experience feminine influence on how the game was played compared to how it is normally offered to a mixed group of employees, which is mainly majority men. 
It was an interesting experiment. And let me summarize some of the insights. Few of the women knew each other, and this game was going to test everyone's capacity to contribute quickly. That's a little harder when you are sitting with strangers. When the going gets tough in business, it's the relationships you already have in place that will stand you in good stead. So I devised a warm-up bonding session with a special listening and deep sharing exercise to help create community very quickly. It worked to treat. All subsequent conversations that take place are that much richer and more productive if there is some understanding of who we each are and if we are in relationship. That will turn any room of strangers into a community, which is exactly what it did. Now, sometimes sitting in a circle for a discussion can sound or look a bit alien in a corporate setting, but once you're in it, it actually feels very comfortable. We seem to have an inbuilt memory for this. The idea of a circle is that it supports everybody speaking, everybody being heard one at a time. The sharing circle worked well and a community had started to form. They were beginning to get the measure of who they were and what different contributions would likely be made during the business game process. The program started and the room was filled with discussion. The players later reported on their enjoyment of their democratic approach of letting everyone speak their piece and give input into the decisions being made feeling really heard was the key. To say that the groups were playing the game with a time pressure, there was a tremendous sense of calm in the room and a very harmonious atmosphere. The groups were all very engaged and there seemed to be a strong sense of focus and togetherness with barely anyone leaving the room for a break. What I noticed was a spirit of friendly competition still remained in this very collaborative atmosphere. There There was a desire to win But as I overheard the debates, I sent an even stronger desire to do the right thing. There was a commitment to harmony with everyone's contribution respected. What I noticed consistently in female-only groups working together is a strong desire to do whatever it takes to preserve the relationships. How things are done are held as important. Good process is valued and it's protected against a strong focus on simply achieving the outcomes, especially if the community and relationships Look, they will be compromised along the way. Now, it would be a mistake to conclude from this exercise that women-only groups are in any way better. What does emerge is an opportunity to witness feminine energy be more present in the business context in the absence of any men participating. It's a chance for women to have a greater understanding of what happens when feminine qualities are allowed to be expressed, presented without interruption, or magnified away from the presence of men. As I pointed out to the group during our concluding insights, research shows that balanced teams are more successful than male only or female only. Both genders are bringing something different. This occasion was an opportunity to get a greater sense of what women can bring that is different from the dominant male culture, which is deeper listening, inclusive debate and decision making, and relationships were highly valued and there was a high level of sensitivity as many participants were working together for the first time. Now, having access to women-only networks in all areas of life and industry really supports women as they move through what is known as the pipeline of talent that feeds the higher positions of leadership. Men's support of women is also crucial. I've interviewed over 40 people for this series, and 12 of them have been men. Their contributions and insights are really important. Now, a a good component in the conversation about the rise of the feminine is what is happening to men and masculinity. 
and not in terms of how they will help us women, but how they might need our support in this confusing era of transition when traditional roles are shape-shifting across the genders. I spoke with Jack Myers, a cultural, economic and technology visionary and an award-winning documentary film producer for the relationships episode. I asked him about the mixed messages that young men were getting about what modern woman wants and the traditional expectations portrayed in some of the media. Confused, conflicted, and, mm. and confronted by this huge shift in society, where this this younger this generation of young men under twenty five is the first to to grow up in a more feminist society, where their uh, most of their teachers were women. They're growing up in fatherless homes. They're going to uh, school and college, where over sixty percent of their classmates are. Are female. The, there's in in 13 of the top 15 growth industries, women represent 60% of the of the workforce and are much more likely to stay in their careers because they're out earning their male counterparts. I also spoke with Los Angeles-based dating coach Renee Pianet on the same program about how women are often showing up as strong, very dynamic businesswomen doing their careers, which sometimes stops them from making time to find love because they want to get to a certain level of success. Then they think that a man is just going to magically fly onto their porch and say, I want to love you and take care of you. It's just not happening. And Ronnie says the men are sometimes intimidated by these women. So women, I think they think that men are going to be like coming to the rescue when men want us to be nurturing them, right? Mm -hmm. Look how men think, ladies. I was one of the very first coaches for single men in America, okay? This was 24 years ago. And all women need to know that most men have not had Prince training, this idealistic view that women think that men have been trained to understand the way we think they don't it makes me laugh that we have this old narrative of being rescued by a prince a la sleeping beauty but at least there is a new generation growing up empowered by the characters queen elsa and princess anna who are the heroes of the story and not the guys and if you don't know who i'm talking about then i don't know what planet you've been on that's from that famous movie frozen I also discussed masculinity with Dr. Kalthar Damoni, an assistant professor of gender studies in the Netherlands, who teaches about feminine capital and masculine capital, using the best of both sexes. She talked about her seven-year-old son, who had exclaimed in great anger that when he grows up, he fears he will be lost because his mother spent so much time making women stronger. Oh, I could weep when I think of this story. This is her sharing. Yes, poor thing. We are hurting the men. We are hurting ourselves. We are not seeing they are suffering. We are not seeing they are lost. We are not seeing we broke the system, but we didn't give them an alternative. We are not allowing them to, to shine. We are not allowing them to thrive. We are all the time asking them to adapt to us, to look at us, to have understanding for us. But what about them? They need support. Men do need our support. This is so important and a key part of the rise of the feminine. As our status and energy rises, so we must take care of the men, work with them, collaborate, role model positive ways to share emotions and make lifestyle changes. 
A couple of years ago, I was on Cortez Island at Hollyhock, Canada's lifelong learning center. as a gathering of social change leaders. And I had the opportunity to host a women's gathering. And having done this the summer before, one of the guys stepped forward and said, you know, all this feminine energy rising and gathering, what about the guys? I think I'll host a circle for men. Good for you. How great is that? So I interviewed him the next day, asking for his reflections on the experience. And the man speaking is my good friend, Gary Malkin, a multi-Emmy and Clio award-winning composer, producer, and recording artist. I asked him what inspired him to have a men's circle and what he got from it. I've been feeling for the last number of years now with the rise of all these new paradigm women's groups that are gathering together for empowerment and for embodiment of business, um, that we men are kind of going underground with it rather than really matching what this call represents. And this call is a reflection of our inner feminines to rise in a way that I think scares the shit out of men at a new level. Um, and so I felt like Wow, if there's this much gathering of empowerment and intention and clarity with women, I think that that reflection is happening within us and it's time to create space for that to be felt and seen and, and, uh, and experienced together as men. So what we did was gather together and just the act of admitting that we are not alone, just the act of admitting that we have hearts that experience despair and, and uh, isolation and the need for others, that act alone created a, an opportunity for us to have room and hold space for the, the, the rise of the new energies that are coming in right now, which require us to be engaged with our emotional and spiritual intelligence and our receptivity and our openness to, I don't know, and to flow. And uh, um, what I got from it also is that men are very, very skittish about gathering together and admitting their need for interdependence and need for one another. Um, it, everything was hanging in the balance about, about to break up at any moment. And the moment the, the rules of conduct in a circle broke down because it wasn't established like, a, like a, what's her name? Um, Christina? Christina Baldwin talks about determining the rules of circle. Because we didn't dis define those rules, there was an enormous amount of discomfort and some men, one man left because there wasn't definition about another man who took over the space with too much storytelling and narcissism. So I just, there's, there's skills that we must learn in order to gather. And um, I think the most important thing is to take a stand for the value of gathering and opening to this new feminine that's coming in all over the planet and all over the world. So one of the things I want to say is that there are messengers of the feminine all around us, obviously nature, but what I believe is that arts and music, poetry, dance, uh, the, the arts are the messengers of the new divine feminine, and they can literally inhabit this rising feminine energy in a beautiful way as the new delivery systems for spirituality and inclusiveness and our interdependence. I'm grateful to Gary for articulating this. It's so important to work together with men, also to find ways that support their growth and explore new ways of being. As Keith Coates talked about in our report from Rome, the increased importance in business 
for more feminine leadership. It calls for men to unlearn what they have been taught about leadership. Now, I want to share with you a conversation from a wonderful wise elder, and that's Barbara Marks Hubbard. I had the incredible good fortune to meet her in London in June, and specifically on the 24th, and that was the morning that we all woke up in the UK to the surprise news that Britain had voted to leave the EU, and now that's fondly known as Brexit. At a breakfast meeting, Barbara was sharing the meaning of this from a planetary and human evolutionary perspective, really giving us the big picture perspective. Uh, Time was tight. I wanted to interview her. She got in a taxi bound for uh, somewhere in the center of London. So I jumped in with her with my microphone and I grabbed an interview. And you can actually watch the whole of that interview on my website. Now, what I want you to hear now is what Barbara says about the important group in society that's so often overlooked, and yet, with their wisdom, energy, and determination, they can be a great resource. And can you speak, Barbara, to the, the special role of women? Why, why, you know, here we are as humans, but what's the special role of women in you know, this rising feminine energy? Well, what's that? I think that, that the rising feminine energy, particularly 50, 60, 70, 80 and counting, is that we have an emerging species here. They're intelligent, they're educated, they're not having more babies, they don't have tons of grandchildren to take care of most of us, and we are on the loose in our culture. And what are we doing? We're finding a way to create something better for the family. And we have enlarged the idea of family from the nuclear family to the human family. A much bigger sense of family. But we're used to loving the family. And we've seen the Earth, it's one living body, we've seen that, that our, our planetary body is in trouble, and we also have seen that we want to create more, that we have more love in our heart than we're able to give in the old structure. So we're not retiring, are we? We are not retiring, we are evolving. <laughs> and I'm getting newer every day, personally. Right. <laughs> and can I share your age? Yeah, sure. I mean, 86, Barbara, <laughs> and the energy you've got is, is, is just phenomenal. I think women are reinventing older age. I think particularly when women get older, they get less visible in the current culture. So we're going to be stealthily moving in there, aren't we, as older women? It's and it is so, amazing. It's not so stealthy. Stealthily. <laughs> it was stealthy. It was. But <laughs> now it's going to be different. Here's what every woman of any age needs to do. I call it, say the big yes. Yeah. Okay, what is the yes to? Yeah. It is your own deepest unique purpose given to you by the irreducible beauty of the evolutionary process. In other words, each of us is coded with an impulse that comes from source of creation, evolving all these billions of years into us in this generation for the first time on earth with the freedom to choose to evolve consciously or not. And that's, oh. what, yeah, and that's what the Dalai Lama was referring to when he said the Western woman will change the world because we have more freedoms, don't we, in the Western we have world the freedom, that we need to use. And we, have, we have the education, mm-hmm. we have the culture, we have the intuitions about what needs to be done, and we love the men. This is not about women over men. No. This is totally inclusive. Count me in, Barbara. I want to be one of those women in the emergent species on the loose. I love that. The big yes. But the media does currently have a problem with women of a certain age. They either don't see us, 
were invisible or they don't know how to handle older women. I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated with watching the TV news with two anchor presenters. The guy is a distinguished grey-haired veteran, while sometimes his co-presenter looks like she's his daughter or granddaughter, and the weather presenter looks like she's just out of school. I really do dislike these big age imbalances. Interestingly, we have one of the major Saturday night television shows in the UK called Strictly Come Dancing. I think in America it's called Dancing with the Stars. Now, for years, the presenter was Sir Bruce Forsyth, who worked right into his mid-80s. And his co-presenter was a very able woman in her 30s, Tess Daly. In his black, shiny patent shoes, crisp dinner jacket and black tie, he was very much the elegant elder statesman and entertainer. But the idea of having an 80-year-old woman as the presenter is actually unthinkable for television. In fact, one of the very few actresses who was still working until age 80 was called Kathy Staff. And she had the only role, the only role that she had was as a battle axe called Nora Batty with hair rollers under a headscarf, wrinkled baggy stockings and always wearing an apron. However, fast forward to 2016, a couple of years ago, Sir Bruce retired and the challenge was who to bring in to replace him. Obviously, Tess is the woman on the spot, but which man to bring in to work with her? Bruce was a one-off, so the unusual decision was made to promote Claudia from presenting the midweek show to be the co-presenter on the main Saturday night show. That meant on peak time TV, on one of the channel's flagship television programs, it was anchored by two women, which is actually historic. But it was the right thing to do, bearing in mind that shows thrive on the chemistry of the right presenters and not just bringing in someone because he's a man to carry on the show. So full marks to the BBC, who've been playing catch up on their discrimination discrimination against older women for years. Now, that is a story about television. And here's one about the newspapers. This is a corker, actually. Let me tell you, I saw this heading um, on the leading national Sunday newspaper in the UK a couple of years ago, and the headlines intrigued me. It said, Grandmother 71 tackles slave traffickers for the Pope. <laughs> the mind boggles, really. It sounds like they've been recruiting in old people's homes. I mean, if you read on, and the front page article reveals that the Pope's new crusade is actually going to be headed up, not only by a retired academic from Warwick University, but also the Vatican's most senior woman. Well, that sounds more like it. I mean, who wants a granny taking on that role? Why did the newspaper refer to Margaret Archer as a grandmother? And not only that, not once in the lead article was she referred to as a professor. It said she spent most of her career as an academic, quotes. And in the previous week's edition, the paper also carried a small appointments notice where she was called a British sociologist. Margaret Archer's new role at the Vatican is as president of the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, where she says she intends to use the pulling power of the Vatican to enlist experts from around the world to support the Pope's work against modern slavery. I mean, that's a big job with a big vision. And that obviously caught the attention of the editors of the Sunday newspaper, enough to warrant placement of the story right under the masthead. Yet they could not see fit to use her previous job title as a professor, and they managed to diminish her, not so subtly, by introducing her as a grandmother, which has absolutely no relevance to the story whatsoever. I doubt any man placed in the same job would have been referred to as grandfather. In fact, when is a man ever introduced as a father in a professional context? Well, the media is going to have to rethink how older women and 
and women of all ages are portrayed because we're here, we're changing the game, we're riding the wave, we're shifting the paradigm. Last year, BBC Radio 4's Woman's Hour programme published a power list of 100 women and the shift in who was included indicates that times are changing. Instead of just CEOs and politicians who are out pushing through the glass ceiling and as Aviva Wittenberg-Cox called it, dismantling the gender asbestos that pervades the walls of offices, the majority of women chosen by the BBC were activists and campaigners trying to make change and shake up the system. It's fantastic that they are recognizing these women who mostly will not be appearing in the media and are often invisible and it's unlikely they are on anyone's list of noteworthy achievers. Well, there is a new list that has been created to recognize women whose efforts over many years have not been visible. The 100 Women of Spirit Awards were created to honor the 100-year life of spiritual leader Daddy Janky. I asked a co-founder of the program, Philippa Blackham, who they were looking to recognize with these awards and why. Well, we were very much inspired by the example of Daddy Janky, who, as you say, at 100 years old, is the leader of a big organization and is still very uh, energized and doing so much with her life. Uh, we wanted to really shift people's awareness of, of older age and women in their later years from being these sort of passive uh, participants uh, to active dynamic participants. So this list of 100 women, we took about six months. Uh, it was a process of asking everyone who we knew to nominate any woman who for them stood out as an, as an example, a role model for new ways of doing things. And by that, I mean really bringing in the wisdom of the elders, what you might call a spiritual approach, and anchoring that in the work that they did. So it wasn't just people who were able to talk a good talk, but they had somehow put that energy into a project, into an idea, into a vision that they held that they then manifested somehow. And uh, we came up with a list of these hundred women who in the normal scheme of things, you probably wouldn't have heard of them or come across their work, but there they were very quietly in the background going about doing these amazing things. Mm. And by bringing them together, it was a real celebration of, of women and on the whole, it was women in the latter stages and in, in the, you know, in later life rather than younger women. So it, it was an amazing celebration of, of the wisdom of women as elders. And what sort of um, areas of uh, work were these women? What kind of things had they been working on? Were they, had they was, been working in caring and things like that? Exactly. It was across the board. We, we had a few politicians. We had um, a young woman police officer. Um, and it, it, as well as you say, it was women in this caring role. Um, in a way, the unsung heroines who, who were quietly going about in the background doing things. Um, we had a, a baroness from the House of Lords who has done a huge amount of work um, with disabled people and, and especially young children. Um, we had another psychiatrist in there. Um, a, a real mix and, and, and nursing, people with nursing backgrounds as well. These qualities that we would traditionally associate with, with the feminine approach of caring um, were, were very well represented. Mm -hmm. Now, Philippa, this awards program was really an opportunity to acknowledge uh, women elders. And your mother was actually Janice. She was one of the awardees, wasn't she? 
She was. Um, so she's 81 now. And really, since the early 60s, she's been working in projects that have been anchoring this this elders wisdom energy into many different projects. Um, I'm one of um, four girls, and, and we very much stand on the shoulders of what she has done in her life and the journey that she has gone from being uh, a young housewife, really not knowing anything, to being someone who now writes books about new consciousness, has started quite a few different organizations. And uh, we're now living in a, a three-generational community on, on a farm site um, here, here in the UK. And, and Janice is with us now. Oh, wonderful. Janice, hello. Hello, hello, hi. <laughs> Great to speak to you. Well, yes, I mean, it was uh, a fantastic awards program to highlight the work that you do because important as it is, it's not always possible to, to see what women are doing. And as you say, you've been doing this for a number of years. What do you think the role that older women can have in society i mean this is a small awards program doing a small highlighting but how do you think sure. we can increase the status of older women well i think by acknowledging that we learn all of us learn from experience and by the time you're kind of my age you've got quite a lot of experience you've learned from <laughs> and as long as one reflects on that experience and makes it deeper with inside oneself you know you've got that to offer other people mm. The other thing I think is important is that as women, we our role is to nurture and nourish others. So rather than make a name for ourselves, by and large, we're there to facilitate the spark in other people, mm. whether that's our own children and grandchildren or whether it's people in a, any group we're working with. Women have, or the feminine side, because men can have this side too, yes. Is, is is there to sort of really encourage everybody else and be the still point in the turning world around which it all flows. So it's natural that we're not really heard of as people in our own right because that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to really hold the whole and create a much more sense of interconnectedness because it is our interconnectedness with each other that is perhaps the key note of the new era that's emerging. And it's probably the feminine role as we give birth physically to the next generation to actually give birth to this. So I suppose I've always been inspired by picking up what's next to come in, in the world and initiating ways that it can happen. Mm. And I understand that um, you've been involved in a program called The New Story because really we're where, where we are at the moment in this big uh, process of massive change, we're, we're creating a new story for humanity, aren't we? Well, we are, because how we tell each other the world is, the narrative, if you like, we're calling it the new story, is going to affect how we live and how we do things. So if we model it first as it emerges in us and is emerging, um, then it's there for others to see and to follow, because we can't go on with the world as it is. And I was part of a group that brought together 350 people from around the world um, for what we called the New Story Summit. This was held at the Fintorn Foundation in 2014. And whilst you can't say the summit achieved A, B or C, what it did, I think, was anchor the energy of the new. We all lived in a new harmonious way together. That doesn't mean there weren't ups and downs, there were. Um, but we were particularly inspired by, we were able to fund 50 indigenous elders from every continent around the world and they played a great contribution in sharing their rituals their ceremonies and it was the feminine in all those cultures that was now leading the way 
the trouble with using leadership is it does give a sort of masculine idea in people's heads, being out front, telling people what to do. And it's actually the opposite, I think, that the feminine approach can be behind, encouraging, facilitating, making contacts, connecting and networking. It's all those skills which society so needs. And the risk when women get to the front as MPs or whatever, they tend to emulate the masculine and be yeah. better men than the men were in a way. Yeah. So I think we've got to honour what we can offer as the feminine and slowly that will be recognised. Philippa, it's wonderful to hear the wisdom of Janice and these beautiful women elders. And in fact, um, right now we almost have a grandmother in the White House, don't we? We absolutely could have this time in no time at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's something that, you know, a lot of people have been looking at and, and contemplating. And there was a program here last night where someone was talking about the choice between the two candidates and saying, you know, I don't really want to give my vote to either of them. Mm. Neither of them feel like they represent where I'm at and who I am. And the interviewer said, OK, well, if not either of them, who would you have? And this person said, well, actually, what I'd have is a council of wise women, mm. which I thought was a great idea. That's brilliant, isn't it? That's it. Bring on the older women with their wisdom. This is what we need now, isn't it? Totally. And in fact, the, the women at the conference that Janice was just talking about really gave a sense of, of what that council of wise women could look like. These were women from indigenous cultures, from Africa, Australia, from North and South America. And they totally stood in the cultural heritage of their tradition. They kept that spirit alive. And yet they had an absolute vision for the future and where humanity could be going if we put our efforts in the right direction and you honestly felt like they had you in the palm of their hand you could listen to them all day because they embodied what they were talking about they really were examples of living this new energy uh, and and they embodied it and it was mesmerizing and if we could have leaders like that well they would have everyone's vote the world needs a new kind of leadership. We have explored in this episode the role that our elders, our wise grandmothers can play in helping creating a new story for humanity and how they serve as role models for a different way of leading and inspiring the next generations. I've been truly inspired by all these conversations and the rise of the feminine. I hope you have too. Well, it's time to end the show for today. This will be a pause in our conversation until the next series. Do keep in touch, write to me, share if anything has moved or inspired you in some way. I'm particularly interested in your stories and ideas for the next series. In the meantime, find me on my website, GinaLazeMe.com. Email me at Gina at GinaLazeMe.com. And remember, there's the Facebook page. It's called The Rise of the Feminine Radio. That's where I post transcripts of all these interviews and my blog writings from the Feminine Leadership Today blog. Thank you very much for joining me on the Rise of the Feminine, taking part in this journey. Until the next time. We hope that you've enjoyed the program this week. Be sure to tune in to the Rise of the Feminine with Gina Lazenby every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.